Amen. And if you see me just stop in the middle of a sermon and be silent, it's because I'm still trying to get used to not having an interpreter. Uh, it was uh, all the services there. I think I'm turned on, aren't I? It was working before. Let's see here. Hang on. Yeah, we're good. Are you plugged into the... There it is. Okay. Okay. But, uh, okay, don't turn it up too loud. Turn it down. Come on. There you go. All right. I had Peter called me up uh, and said, what do you want me to do? I said, I I don't know. I said, you know, our biggest concern is wind uh, damaging the windows and rain coming in. And so I had him disconnect the entire sound system and move it into uh, the chapel there uh, just to protect things. And praise the Lord, that wasn't necessary. But uh, uh, we uh, uh, tried, that's, we're, having to readjust and rehook up everything to make sure uh, that it works. But uh, getting back, uh, everything is interpreted in both French and English up there at that church. And uh, it was wonderful. I had a young man, Brother Philip. Uh, some of you may remember his older brother, uh, Simone, came down with Brother Monette in 2006 when they redid the basement. Uh, he was just a young teenager at that time, judged too young to come down, and and uh, now he's grown and and married, yes, and has a couple of children, and and uh, he interpreted for me each day, and uh, it was just a just a special blessing to be there, and uh, what I'm going to do tonight is uh, since I've been. With the interpreter, you only get about half a message out because everything has to be said twice. And so I'm going to give you guys two barrels, two messages in one night here. No, Uh, but uh, just to continue a little bit on our theme of missions, we, we spent last Thursday night on missions. The power is the Holy Spirit of God. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to witness. But there's more than one way to witness Yes, you need to be here to pass out tracts, to talk to people that God gives you opportunity to talk to. Have you ever met somebody that talks to people God doesn't give them opportunity to talk to? Uh, I think the Marshall family has some video of a fellow witnessing to a statue. And uh, he claims that that statue prayed to get saved. And uh, just some of the foolishness that people actually engage in, uh, he thought it was funny. I I didn't think it was very funny. Because sharing the gospel is what we're all about. But I'll tell you what, there's some people out there that would, would, would witness to a statue just so they could say that they did it. And... The truth of the matter is, if God doesn't use you to witness, you can talk all day long. Nothing's going to happen. And you know what? Same thing can happen with our mission. 
We can put all the money we want to into missions. But if it isn't from our heart, if it isn't from a heart that's been worked on by God, you know, there are times when God just doesn't bless. How many of you remember his words of reproof to the Laodicean church? You are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and poor and blind and miserable and naked. And I didn't get that quite perfect, but uh, I got all the words in there. And the simple truth is, the power has got to come from God. And I'd like for us to look at two examples. Uh, We do not participate in in programs for the sake but of of a program we do believe in faith promise missionary giving now what that means is you make a promise to god by faith to give to missions now years ago i used to try to get people to fill out little commitment cards And I I never will forget how discouraged Brother Thompson was. We filled out all those cards and brought them in and added them up, and we were like 30% lower than we were the year before. And he was like, Brother Montoro, he said, I just just feel like I failed you. He said, your missions giving is way down. I, I just don't know what to say. And I said, Brother Thompson, don't worry about it. I said... You, you can't get a person in New York City to sign their name to anything. And uh, so I called him up about five, six weeks later, and I said, Brother Thompson, our cards were down 30%, but our giving is up about 50%. I said, God did answer your prayers. I want you to know it was a great missions conference. And after that, I decided, you know what? If the cards are not helping you give, why mess with the cards? Amen? And so we got rid of the cards. But we still need to think and pray about what God would have us to do for missions in the coming year. And you say, Pastor, does it always have to be more? No, it's got to be what God tells you to give. You've got to be convinced in your heart that what you are doing for missions is what God wants you to do for missions. You know, there may be some years where it has to change, not in an upward direction, but in a lower direction. Oh, you say, yes, that way I can afford my... No, 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 that's not the issue. Maybe you've had a job change. Maybe you've had other things change and your income changes. Your giving is a reflection of your faith in God. And that's what it needs to be. Now, have you ever tried to do something by faith without using faith? Anybody ever? We'll we'll get to that. That's like point four tonight. But what I'd like us to do is look at the life of Hannah. 
How many of you know the story of Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1? Let's turn there. And what we're going to do is just pick up the highlights. If, if you want to know one of the reasons why I want to emphasize in our Sunday school time or through the Bible, actually we've renamed it, um, is so that when it comes to preaching pictures out of God's word, you already know the basis for the picture and then we can spend our time on the application and not having to explain all the details of the story so that we can, we can move a lot more quickly and spend more time with letting God teach us from the story. How many of you know about Hannah's life? Pretty miserable, wasn't it? She had an adversary... Her husband, Old Testament, had two wives. But more important than that, how many of you remember about Hophni and Phinehas? The Bible says they made men to abhor the offering of the Lord. How would you like to go to a place... By the way, the only place you could worship God was the tabernacle at Shiloh. There were no other options. And they went there, and you're greeted by the greed, the pride, the arrogance, the deceit, the corruption of Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli. How many of you'd like to worship God that way? But that's what was going on. Elkanah, her husband, went there once a year and he had to put up with all of this and so did Hannah and everyone else. And Hannah's adversary, the Bible tells us here in verse 6, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Who does this say was responsible for Hannah's situation? The Lord was, wasn't he? He had withheld children on purpose. And because of this, her adversary would use this to make her fret and provoke and And poor Elkanah did the best he could. He said, am I not better to thee than ten sons? Now you talk about a man that just didn't know what to say. I mean, here it is. I mean, that that was so ridiculous. But do you realize that when she couldn't eat, she could not, she was not partaking in the worship of the Lord. Eating the sacrifice was part of the worship, was it not? It was when you, now sin offerings, you didn't eat of those. But free will offerings, thanksgiving offerings, peace offerings, all of those things 
had a feast attached to the offering that was for the giver of that offering to celebrate with God. And if you did not eat the offering, that offering didn't count for you. It was part of the process. Hannah was so upset that her worship to the Lord was not happening. And so she went and she prayed. And bad got worse, didn't it? Here she is pouring out her heart to God. And along comes Eli, the high priest, the guy in charge of everything. And he goes, not another drunk at the tabernacle. Woman, put away your wine. We, we don't need any more like you around here. That was pretty harsh, wasn't it? And what made it so harsh was it couldn't be any further from the truth. And let's look at her response here. Just go down with me to verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, or a daughter of the devil's son. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now, I want to paint a pretty sad picture here because it was right up until this point. And then I want to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 there where we were last Thursday night. It talks about the Macedonians who gave to their power and beyond their power. And I want us to see the parallel here. Do you think that Hannah was right now about the end of her power? She couldn't worship God properly, so she decided to go pray, and in her praying she was rebuked by the priest, by the high priest, for her prayer. I don't think you get any lower than that. Are are you seeing the picture here? But then Eli says some things to her. Verse 17, Then Eli said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, And did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Does that sound like faith to you? How many of you know what Hannah prayed for? She said, Lord, I have nothing to give to you, but if you'll give me a son... 
I'll give them back to you. Now, you know the way some of us pray? I've heard people pray this. Lord, if you let me win the lottery, I would really tithe, and I mean, I double tithe off of that. I'll tell you what, God doesn't want dirty money. He really doesn't. Somebody said, preacher, if somebody came up and gave you a check, would you give it back? If they told me it was lottery money, I pray I'd have enough character to give it back to them. If I have no desire to ask God to bless dirty money. You know what? God has done fantastic things with the little bits we've given him. We don't need that stuff. Amen? You see, Hannah believed God by faith that her request was going to be answered and the proddings and the provokings of her adversary no longer irritated her. Because she had an answer from God. Wait a minute. Samuel had not even been conceived yet. That would be in the months to follow. But she believed God was going to answer her prayer. And I want us to touch on one part that often gets skipped in the story of Eli, I mean Elkanah and Hannah, is after Samuel is born, Elkanah goes up as uh, uh, as his habit was to pay his vow to the Lord. In verse 22, it says, But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then... I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. Now, I couldn't imagine doing what Hannah did with little Samuel. Especially knowing what Hannah knew about Hophni and Phinehas. And yet she said, God, I'm asking you for a son so I can give him to you. Now how many of you know how promises to God worked in the Bible. You see, Hannah was a married woman. She was under the authority of her husband. And when she made a vow to God, her husband had the biblical duty to approve her vow or disallow it. He was as convinced of what Hannah was doing as she was. You see, one of the ways you can know God is working in your life 
is it matches up with your points of authority. You go out and just do something on your own and you ignore people that God has put in your life. Let me tell you something. You're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. Now, I know a preacher that said, you shouldn't even buy a major appliance without consulting me, your pastor. I don't believe in that. I think by this time you ought to know how to buy a refrigerator without talking to me. Amen? That's a little bit ridiculous. But I'll tell you, God uses the pastor to give direction. And you find yourself disagreeing with that direction. I'll tell you, you're going to find yourself heading for trouble. I'm not here to dictate your life. I'm here to preach the word of God. And God's word has the direction that each one of us need. You see, I don't have to come over to your house and explain everything to you. God uses the pulpit to help the people follow him. Amen. That's how we work together to serve the Lord. You see, you don't need some internet dating site to find somebody. I don't think that's a revelation to anybody around here. And if it is, it's because you've had earplugs. You don't need to go to the world to learn about serving Jesus. You've heard that, amen? You, you don't need to experience sin to know what it is. You need to stay away from it, amen? We need to be faithful to serving the Lord together in the local church. You know what? Hannah had all of her points of authority working. Her husband was in agreement. She was in agreement. And how in the world could old Eli say no? See, here's what Hannah did. She said, Lord, I'm not satisfied with my worship to you. It's not what it ought to be. I've done everything in my power to do. Now I'm going to come to you and ask you to do what only you can do. She asked God for something she did not have so that she could worship God by giving it back to him. How many of you have ever had to take a loan for something? Now what happens when you take a loan? You have to pay the person who gave you the loan interest usually. I mean, God worked a miracle with the synagogue. We had no interest for the first two and a half or three years. Zero percent. We praise the Lord for that. But normally you pay interest. I want you to get a hold of this. She asked Samuel from God 
so that she could give him to God. And who paid the interest? God did. To whom did he pay the interest? To Hannah. How many of you know how he did that? It wasn't too long after Hannah got back from leaving Samuel at the temple. I feel sick. And it won't go away. I've been sick all week. This is vaguely familiar. And a couple years later, it happened again. And again, she had three sons and two daughters. Her, whose womb had been shut by the Lord. How many of you have taken time to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah's song? She rejoiced in being able to give that son to God. She missed everything in Samuel's life. Well, she saw him take his first steps, and she helped him learn how to eat food. But once she left that little boy, he could not have been any older than five, more than likely somewhere around three years old. Joey's four. It's hard for me to imagine missing out on his life, seeing him once a year. But that's what Hannah did. Because she asked God for something that she could give to God. You know what Samuel did? The first thing Samuel did? After God judged the house of Eli, who was in charge of the tabernacle? Samuel was, wasn't he? She got to see her son straighten out the perverted worship. And yes, it was Eli's grandsons that would have been in the priesthood, but at that point, Samuel would have been the one in charge and giving direction, and he brought the entire nation of Israel back to God. You know what? Samuel wasn't the king, was he? But he was the kingmaker. He anointed Saul to be the king. And when Saul turned his heart away from God, it was Samuel that God knocked on and said, I want you to go to Bethlehem. And I want you to find somebody there that's after mine own heart who will be the head of the family that Messiah comes in. What Samuel was attached to. How many of you know where Samuel, remember this from discipleship. How many of you know where Samuel went to live when he was a grown man? He went back to Ramah, Mama's hometown. She didn't get to watch Samuel grow up, but she got to enjoy the grandkids. I'll tell you what. You cannot outgive God. But you know what we often do? 
we often in our giving sit down and figure out what we can do. I want to challenge you, if you can figure it out, that is within the realm of your power, not in the realm of his power. Now, faith giving is not for everybody. Because there are people who get involved because the preacher puts so much pressure on them, I've got to do something. Hey, I don't want that kind of giving at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. If you give just because I put pressure on you, that withholds God's blessings from our church. If you give out of a faith relationship between you and God, guess what that does? That allows you to fulfill the great commission as part of your worship to God. That's the job of the church. I've had people say, well, I don't believe in tithing. Fine. We won't kick you out of the church because you don't tithe. I don't go through. I don't ask for W-2s and 1040s. And, I mean, you can go to churches where they do that. I don't believe in that. Because the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And we want our worship for God to be something that is acceptable to God. If you say, but pastor, don't you understand the Obama economy? Oh, yes, I most certainly do. You better pray. And you better vote if you're a citizen. If you're a citizen and you don't vote, I believe you're sinning not only against God, but against this nation. You need to vote. You say, well, my vote doesn't count. That's not true. I count votes. <laughs> they all count. But in this district, guess what? The ratio Democrat to Republican is about eight to one. But the vote never comes out that way. Even in the last election, there was just a few percentage points, even in New York City, between McCain and Obama. Wonder if all the people who named the name of Christ would have voted if it hadn't been a different election. I know the answer to that. It could have been. We need to give. And you see, what are you going to do about the economy and all of those things? I'm going to give anyway. Because it's part of my worship to God. And I learned a long time ago that if I gave all I could, it wasn't going to be enough. But if I went to God and asked him what he wanted to trust me with, I asked him for a loan. Lord, there's no way that I'll be satisfied with this. Will you give me something that I can give to you? 
Well, let me tell you something. He pays wonderful interest. It's backwards. We ought to be paying the interest. But he does. Because he's such a good God. Amen. And he enables us to do things. Sometimes preachers get together, they ask how your church is doing and what your church is giving to missions and all of this. And it never fails when I tell another pastor what this church gives to missions. Their eyes get big, their eyebrows go up. You got a lot of good givers in your church. You must have some rich people in there. I said, come visit us. You'll know that's not the case. But you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Much has been given to our church. We we need to pray and be convinced that my giving to missions is by faith, not of works. It's faith giving. And God will continue to do amazing things at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I was going to try to get a second sermon in, but I'm not going to. So maybe we'll save that one for next week. But I I want us to think and to pray. We've hard to believe. Eight weeks. And 2012 will be history. Maybe eight and a half, something like that. But we have a list of about four missionary families that we had in over the past year. How many of you remember the uh, Rabioff family going to Russia? And we had brother, uh, I'm not, the brother going to Cambodia. And uh, I have to go through the records. I believe there were two or three others. If our missions giving will stay where it is right now, guess what we're going to be able to do? We're going to be able to add them by the first of the year. But you know something? Is that enough? So we need to pray. Because God does not want us to accomplish what is in the realm of our power. He wants us to accomplish what's in the realm of his power. Um, Can I take the last few moments and remind you That's how you got saved. Isn't it? Didn't you come to God and give up and say, I don't have the goodness. I don't have the ability to save myself. I plead for your mercy and for your grace. I ask you to save me based upon the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember doing that? Do you remember the peace that came into your heart? when you finally gave up trying to be good enough to earn God and trusted in him. 
I've heard some preachers preach about salvation and I found myself sitting there in the pew going, boy, I almost wish I could lose my salvation just so I could get saved again. The way they described everything. And, and then I realized, you know, how foolish is it to say something like that? But you don't have to get saved again to enjoy that joy again. It's the surrender that it takes to live each and every day. It's the surrender to giving to missions God's way that's just going to bring another level of that joy. Hannah was not sad when she left Samuel at the temple, tabernacle. She was full of joy because that was the answer to her prayers. It was not that she was thinking about all the things that she was going to miss. She was thinking about the privilege she had to give. And how many times during her life, we don't know how long she lived. What do you think she would have felt like? When she saw God's judgment fall, how, judgment fall on Eli's house and worship cleaned up for the nation of Israel because of her son. How do you think she would have felt when she saw her son ordain the first king in the nation of Israel? I don't know if she was still alive, but I wonder if Samuel would have stopped by and said, Mom, you know all of the things that are going on with the house of Saul and how he's not leading our nation where it ought to be? God sent me to Bethlehem today. He's going to have a new king that's after God's own heart. Now, we don't know if that happened or not, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility, is it not? And even if she didn't see it in this life, she would have known about it in the next the Bible tells us we're compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. They watch our success. They watch our failure. The question simply is, would you like to emulate Hannah in your life? I'll tell you, I want to. I want to be able to go to God and ask him to give me something that I can give to him. That is faith, promise, giving. And I will tell you, just as God blessed Hannah in unbelievable ways, so he will bless those that give to him after her extraordinary fashion and all God's people said dear Heavenly Father